0: Welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called into the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. So what do you all want to do now? Here you preach. Here you preach. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> you do Bible things. <laughs> okay, so if you've been with us uh, over the last few weeks, we've been taught. I started a new series. I want to say three or four weeks ago called Living by the Spirit. This is actually the second. Ben is really funny. I said, Ben, I want to start a series called Living in the Spirit, and he goes, Mikey, you've done a series called that before. I said, Okay, we'll call it Living by the Spirit two. <laughs> and so, uh, so if you search for it on our podcast, make sure you put part two in there. You should listen to part one. It's pretty good. Uh, but this is in addition to that. This is, this is what I said. None of us have full revelation of the gospel. And, and oftentimes as we study and we live through things in our life, the Lord will bring more things back to us. So I felt impressed to begin to talk about this um, a few weeks back. And it's been really, really good. I, I, it was kind of funny I thought it was going to be maybe a one- or two-week thing, but as I began to get into it and study it, it just started to grow and grow and grow. So um, I think it's been really, really good. It's been really beneficial for me. Has it been helpful for anyone, any of you guys here? It's important to know. Like I said, it's important to know what the Word says. Um, where, where to start on this? Last week, we covered uh, Galatians 5, talking about the differences of what living by the flesh is and what living by the spirit is and how the bible defines that and that's in galatians 5 but when i want to i want to take a, a quick step back and recap a little bit for those of you who weren't here and then we'll move on um what what i said at the very beginning of this is that it's important for us to know what uh what was changed i'm going to do this sorry there you go okay it was important for us to know what was changed in the covenant so Previous to Jesus Christ, we had the Ten Commandments and the 613 laws that were required us for us to be righteous. After Jesus Christ, one of the things that he transformed was our ability to stand in righteousness through what he did on the cross. And what we found out, if you go and read Romans 8 verses 1 through 17, that what he gave us is direct access to the Father. Is that through Jesus Christ, we get to go directly to God. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them to dwell with him. Does that make sense? The word says that he would walk with them in the cool of the evening. He created Adam and Eve to be in fellowship, and that hasn't changed. Mankind, we are designed to be in fellowship with God. But what happened? There was an apple, or excuse me, it wasn't an apple. Bible doesn't say it was an apple. That's just how it's depicted in every Sunday school class. There was a fruit that Eve was deceived to eat, and then she deceived her husband, and he ate, and then sin came into the world. They, they revealed that they were naked. Shame came in, and they were separated from God. Now, does that change God's heart at all? No. His heart has always been to be in fellowship with us. So he created a covenant with Abraham. And he said, if you can live by this covenant, all will go well with you. And it's true. Abraham was a very, very blessed person. Actually, Abraham was blessed before the covenant. Before the covenant. But if we could live, abide by that covenant, we could live in righteousness and be close. And that's how we got close to the Father. And the actual presence of God was in the tabernacle. It was on the ark. And it was in a room. And he stayed. And he physically, hear me. He physically dwelled in the encampment of the Israelites, or those who would serve him. But what happened was is in Romans 8 it says God came to do what the law could not do, not because the law was imperfect, but because the law was weakened by man's flesh, man being mankind and female kind. Okay? Well, I'm not just we're not being Jennifer specific. we're saying the species of man, okay? Don't come at me. Okay? So he's saying, he's saying. The law could not do, not because the law was bad or imperfect, but because man's flesh was too weak to live by the law. So Jesus came to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law so that we could live in righteousness with Jesus Christ. And then we see this thing that he begins to talk about living by the Spirit. In fact, when John the Baptist was, before Jesus' ministries fully took off, when John the Baptist was talking about one who was going to come, John said, I baptize a baptism of repentance, but one is coming who will baptize you in the Spirit and in fire. And so what I'm here to tell you is that as believers born again through Jesus Christ, being filled with the Holy Spirit, our requirement is to live by the Spirit. No longer live by the flesh, giving in to the gratification of the flesh, meaning doing just what like you feel like doing all the time, but we live by the Spirit as unto Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? And so we began to dissect in Galatians 5, 16 through 26, what the difference is of living by the Spirit versus living by the flesh. And I'm, just, I'm not going to go into the, the Greek detail like we did a couple weeks ago, but I'll just cover some of these. Living by the flesh is sexual or immorality. That means doing anything sexual outside of marriage. Okay? It's actually the, the Greek word pornea, which is where we get the word porn from. Okay? Sexual immorality, moral impurity, sensuality, promiscuity, uh, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies. All of those are acts of the flesh. So if you find yourself hating anyone, if you find, any, if you find yourself uh, worshiping anything more than you worship the Lord, that's idolatry. Now, I know that none of you are worshiping false idols, but you might be spending more time with your kids than you are the Lord. You might be spending more time and focusing more on your job than you are the Lord. You might be spending more time on other things, and that's a form of idolatry. But here's what I wanted to touch on this morning, and then we'll go from here. The fruit of the Spirit, which is what we now have access to by being born again. Everyone on the same page? Is love, joy... Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, when you become born again and you begin to grow in things of the Lord, these evidences should begin to come forth out of your life. So there's a transformation that takes place from when you first accepted Jesus Christ and every day moving forward. Does that make sense? There's transformation and and increase that comes to your life. And when I say love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, I don't mean that you will have the ability to be those things. What I mean is those things will come up out of your spirit. Okay, because we are three-part beings. We are a spirit. Say, I am a spirit. When you die, your body goes into the ground and disintegrates. Does your spirit die? No. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? And you're housed in a body. So when I say three parts, that's what I'm talking about. One third of you, when you become bored again, is perfect. And that's the spirit man. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, knowing fully what he did for you, and you accept him as that, your salvation, your spirit is perfected in that moment. In that decision, it's this, this ignition inside of you. It becomes, And you can never defile it unless you make, do that on purpose, having full knowledge of that. One third of you is perfect. And what he's saying is when you become born again, I... Born again is a an old spirit that had to die and a new spirit was born, and that new one is perfect, as if it's never sinned. And I want you to live by that thing that's perfect, not live by the thing that's been getting you in trouble your entire life. Does that make sense, to say it plainly? And what he's saying is, if you begin to live by the spirit, meaning running every decision by Jesus... Um, having a relationship with him, not gratifying the desires of the flesh, you'll see these evidences come up out of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's a... Uh... Oh man, there's so much here. Do I want to get into that? Oh man, we can we got time, right? You anyone else have anything to do? I don't want to hold you here all day, but I want to get into some of this. So, okay, that's good. Okay, thank you, Jesus. So in, uh, in, in, in that same passage, later on we'll told, we're told to crucify the flesh. Has anyone ever heard that decision? Crucify the flesh because the spirit was perfected when it became born again. And so what the Word tells us to do is to crucify the flesh. And so if you actually study that out, there's the, the physical crucifixion is what Jesus Christ did. But the, the figurative or the metaphorical crucifixion is putting the old self to death by submitting all decisions and desires to the Lord and utterly and decisively rejects the decision to live independent from God. It utterly and decisively, uh, excuse me. It, it d- utterly and decisively rejects the decision to live independently from God. What does it mean to live independently from God? That means to make a decision on your own. The word says, "For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons, female sons and male sons. They are the sons of God." So, if you aren't led by the Spirit, are you a son? Now, you're in the kingdom of heaven. You're born again, but what he wants us to move to is from someone who is just saved from hell to someone who stands in the position of being a son, to someone who stands in the position of being a daughter. What do I mean by that? If you had on earth a rich, rich dad, you had a good relationship with your dad, And he said, when I I die, (laughs) I saw some looks, not me, don't look at me. (laughs) When I die, he he says, when I die, all that I have belongs to you. Like in the Lion King, everything the light touches, right? That's your kingdom. So that's called an inheritance, right? It's something that you get simply because you were born into the family. It has nothing to do with how good you are at whatever it is that you do. It has nothing to do with your ability or strength. You only get access to the inheritance because of your birthright. That's the only reason. In, in, in other countries, that was where kings and kings came from. Why were they kings and queens? Because they were born that way. They, they didn't, does that mean that they were good at it? Most of the time, no. It was pretty bad, actually. It was really, really bad a lot of the times. But they were not qualified, but they had birthright. So what I'm saying is, is Jesus wants us, when we live by the Spirit and we decide to crucify the flesh, meaning we reject the decision to live independently from God, we actually put ourselves in the position of sonship. I'll make this this uh, example again. When I teach this, I've been doing this. When I stand over here, this represents living in the flesh. When I stand over here, that represents living in the spirit. Okay, we're on the same page. So when you make a decision to... When you make the decision to reject living independently from God, you're saying, I know what I want to do, and I know what feels good to do. However, I'm deciding to check in with my dad. I'm deciding to check in with the Lord on how I should do this and what I should do. I'm going to give you a really practical way to walk this out. Because I understand people go, I'm literally trying to live by the Spirit, but I never hear God. Okay? Okay? When Jesus spoke to Moses on the mountain, do you remember how that worked? There was thunder and lightning, and the earth began to shake. And the word says, but God's voice wasn't in the thunder and lightning. And it said the earth began to shake, and he said God's voice wasn't in the shaking of the earth. But it said a still, quiet voice came to him. If God wanted to bring everyone to him, he just put his face in the sky and say, I am God, and people would you know, fall down and probably die. But he doesn't do that because he wants us to decide. So he talks to us in a still quiet voice. What does this look like? I'll show you. Let's say you're presented an opportunity to, uh, I don't know, get a job or something. Okay, and you have two opportunities. Okay, one is to work for McDonald's and one is to work for Wendy's. And you're like, well, they both seem equally as good. They it's both flipping burgers. It's it's both working in customer service, they seem to be equal. What am I supposed to do? Okay, so you have a decision. You can just make you can just make a decision in the flesh and hope that it goes well. And it might. You got a 50-50 chance. Or you can make a decision by the Spirit. How do we do this? I'll show you. It's as simple as this. Remember that thing where I said it's easier to hear the Lord when you stop talking? Okay. So this is what this is what I was taught to do and it served me quite well in my life. I get quiet, okay? No phone, no TV, no nothing, no distractions. And I sit and I go, okay, Lord, you know this decision I have to make. I ask you to show me what I'm supposed to do. And I get quiet for a little bit. And then I will say, I'm going to take the job at Wendy's. And then I get quiet. And I see how that sets in my spirit. Does that feel good? Or does that feel a little bit, eh? And then I'll say, I'm going to take the job at McDonald's and then I get quiet and I see how that rests on my spirit. And if I, when I say out loud that I'm gonna work at Wendy's, that just somehow just something feels better than when I say I'm gonna get the job at, at McDonald's. So you know what I do? I go get the job at Wendy's because I, I follow peace. See, God does all of his decisions through peace. And what I've just did in that moment is I acknowledge God in the decision. Trust the Lord with all of your heart and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's what the scripture says. I acknowledge him in this decision. I could have picked either one of them and he would have let me. However, he has the right path and the right way for me. So I acknowledge him in that and I simply follow peace. I I expressed to you uh, recently that um, I have been stepping out of work the world and stepping into more work with the ministry. And it's been a new challenge for me because uh, I'll just be frank with you because that's kind of um, who I am. Uh, I've worked hard my entire life. I've worked both in the private sector, I've worked in the public sector, I've worked for small mom and pop companies, and I've worked for international companies. I've, I've traveled, I've flown, I've trained managers, I've, I've talked to people face to face, I've knocked door to door, I've bucked hay bales five feet above my head, I've driven tractors and, and skid steers and bulldozers, I've done a lot of things in my life. But I've always done things. And when you have a job, you go to bed the night before, you kind of think about what you're going to do tomorrow. I'm going to get up at this such and such time and going to get ready. And, and, and I worked as a contractor for the last probably three or four years. And so when you do that, kind of, everything's kind of job specific. And you just kind of roll over in your mind when you make up. But the Lord said, on these couple days a week, I don't want you to do anything. I want you just to wait on me. Now, that sounds awesome. Yeah. It sounds like, oh, I mean, I don't have to do anything. No, you have to do something. That means you have to get up. You have to get quiet and say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? And you don't get to do anything until he tells you. Now, sometimes he'll tell you right away. Sometimes you have to wait. Well, how long do you have to wait, Micah? Sometimes you have to wait some time. 10, 15, 20 minutes. Sometimes you have to wait an hour. Sometimes it's two hours. Did you know that God doesn't want you for what you can do for him? He doesn't want you because you have some great talents. He wants you because he made you. And the thing that he values more than anything else is his relationship with you. But he's so cool and so awesome that not only will he want to be in fellowship with you, he'll give you a purpose because he created with you a drive to operate in a purpose because he has a plan for your life, like it says in Jeremiah. So he might, but, but the thing is, is he tells us not to be idolaters, which is serving anything greater than serving him. So if he wants to spend two hours in the morning with you, just hanging out, that's what he wants to do. I have a couple friends in my life that I can just sit with and not say anything. And it's, it's kind of nice. Now I know that a lot of you would go, Micah, I don't know that you could go more than 10 minutes without talking. I can't. All right. It's not my favorite thing to do, but I can do it. Jenna, yes, I can. <laughs> just because you haven't experienced doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> I can. Um, but sometimes it's just nice to be around someone, especially when things are heavy. You know, Sometimes when things are bad, you don't necessarily need to talk. You just need to be around someone. God, God wants to be that person for you. And sometimes you don't know what you need is some quiet mental time. Sometimes we're so jumbled up here where there's so much that we're weighing back and forth there's so much that we're thinking on that he's like i i literally couldn't tell you what i want to do because there's no space there's so much that you've consumed in your brain and there's so much that you're carrying that there if i put anything else on you you'd fall over so what i need you to do is to let go of some stuff this is something that I, I, I've, I've learned to do and the Lord's helped me because being the, the way that I was raised, you, you just work hard. And then you continue to work hard, and then one day you die. That's how it works. Like That's how I was raised. You get up, you work hard, and then you die one day. That's the whole thing, right? But I have a tendency in the past to just carry things and not express it to anyone. And when you're, when you're a dad and you're a husband, you don't get to have problems. Does that make sense? I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a rule. I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I'm being vulnerable with how I've lived. Okay. When you're a dad and your husband, I I just don't get to have problems. I just help. I carry everyone else's right. Becky has a problem with the kids. So I have to go correct the kids or the kids are doing this thing. And I'm not saying my house is chaotic. I'm just, you don't understand what I'm saying. Like I, I go to work and I, and I work for other people and I serve them and I do those things. So I don't, I don't get to have problems. But what happens is when you take all of that on yourself, and then you try to go seek the Lord, the only thing that pops up into your brain is everything you've been worried about. You go, Lord, I want to make this decision, and all you think about is, how you handled that situation last time. Maybe you got frustrated with the kids and you raised your voice, right? Or maybe, maybe you were doing this thing and you couldn't do it to the best of your ability because you were handicapped by this thing and that bothers you, right? Or maybe you, you, you didn't make a phone call and you were, all of a sudden you get quiet and these reminders that you meant to do yesterday, oh, shoot, I meant to call this person, I meant to do that thing. So you, you fall right back into doing stuff and you're not quiet. And it's because you're carrying so much Part of living by the Spirit is laying all of that stuff down. That does not I'm not saying be irresponsible, but there's these great inventions, okay? It's called a notebook and a pen, okay? And this is a process that you can do. If you're trying to get quiet with the Lord and all that's coming up is these thoughts, write them down. I've got to take chicken out for dinner, okay? I need to call Randy back about the truck. I need to take the car to the shop because all all those thoughts are coming in. You need to find a way to release that. Sometimes you need to do this. Father, I I, I did this recently, this week. I said, Father, I repent for carrying things that I shouldn't have carried. I was talking to the Lord about something uh, the other morning. I said, Lord, I just want to do this the way that you want to do it. And I'm just seeking you. It was in earnest. I was like, there's a situation. I want to seek guidance. How do I do this? And he said, Micah, you're carrying it. And I said, you're right. I'm sorry. That's his word that we have that relationship. So I immediately stopped what I was doing. I said, Lord, I repent for picking this up and carrying it. And I release it to you in the name of Jesus. And I let go of that. And I release it to you. And I know that you'll show me when and if I need to interact with those things. Because a lot of times there's stuff that God wants to do for you that he can't because you're the one trying to do it. I'll say that again, because it landed so well. A lot of the times there's stuff that you want fixed in your life, and God wants to fix it, but He can't get access to it because you're hanging on to it. Does that make sense? Because when you do th- everything from a position of being a son and living by the Spirit, you only do what's asked of you. That's it. You live in a position of inheritance knowing that you have full access to all that your father has and you only do what he's asked you to do. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. But oftentimes we get a glimpse of what our future could be or what we could walk into and we begin to pick up things and carry things. And I want you to know, you can be doing things for the Lord and living by the flesh while doing it because you're relying on yourself to carry the things that you know are supposed to get done, but you're not asking him on how they're supposed to get done. Does that make sense? You can have good motives, but wrong method. The motives can be right, but the method can be wrong because you're the one trying to do the thing that he's asked you to do, but you haven't asked him on how to do it. See, this is, this is why that testimony was so good because it was, he said, I'm going to pay for the car, but then he said, I want you to wait till Wednesday. So it'd be easy to hear the first word and then not go back for the second. That's what I'm saying. That's what it means to, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path is that every turn you're just checking in. Hey, Lord, is this still the the course? Am I ahead of you? Am I behind you? Where do I need to be? At every decision you have to make. That's how you acknowledge Him in everything, and that's what it means to live by the Spirit. That's what it means to utterly and decisively reject the decision to live independently from Him. Now, you can say, I refuse to live independent from God. That is a statement I can make. You can make yourself a T-shirt or a hat and some nice bracelets. You put a bumper sticker on your car, but none of that is actually doing anything. The decision is to stand in a position and wait. Now, I want you to know this. God knows if you have to make a quick decision. He's aware. He knows if something needs to be made, if something needs to be done. But oftentimes, we think like, oh, I don't have time to go seek the Lord. I'm just going to do something. I, I will, from my experience... If there's a decision that has to be made instantly, I usually know the answer before I have the question. Does that make sense to you? When you begin to live by the Spirit, for whatever reason, I'll just be something will come up into my mind a short amount of time before the situation arises and I automatically know what to do. Or I'll just be in the situation and the anointing will come into my life and I just have a knowing in my heart. I don't mean I hear an audible voice. I just mean in my Spirit... Because I've trained myself over the years how to follow that peace. Remember how I said, I'm going to work at McWendy's or I'm going to work at McDonald's. I begin to get familiar with that peaceful feeling. So in a situation where a decision has to be made now, I just follow that peaceful, that peaceful feeling. But the Lord's going to walk you into that. He's going to help you. And the awesome thing is he has grace and mercy. What if I, what if I don't do it the right way? That's okay. He has grace and mercy. He, it's so interesting how far off the path that you can be get, and then the second you realize it, you can repent and turn, and you're right back where you're supposed to be. God, God's got, God's got your, your life figured out. It's just our job to take every decision to him. Our job to take all of our thought life to him. All of, it's, it's to decisively reject the decision of living independently from, from him. And that's not, you can't do this in a blanket statement kind of way. You have to do this with every decision you have to make. Does that make sense? Okay. What am I going to do with this? Okay, let's go seek the Lord. This is why I love being married. There's a lot of reasons I love being married. This is one of the reasons why I really enjoy being married is because I have a helper. When there's a decision that comes into my family, I'll go to my wife and say, hey, babe, um, here's this thing. We got to figure out what we're doing. I want you to go seek the Lord and I'm going to go seek the Lord and we'll come together. And sometimes it's an hour. Sometimes it's two hours. Sometimes it's a couple days. But eventually we'll come together and a decision will be made. I'll I'll actually use the testimony because they said the husband called the wife and said, and she said, well, let's pray. And he said, I tried praying, but all I could hear was the excitement. But when she came back, she said, wait and Wednesday. And you know why he agreed? Because he had peace. He heard the anointed word and he goes, oh, that's it. That's the word. So we're going to do that thing. That's what I mean a decision is made. Oftentimes, you both can get the same answer. You'll come together like, oh, that's crazy. That's literally the exact thing that the Lord tells me. This happens, this happens with Ben and I oftentimes. You know, Ben is the associate pastor of this church, so when we're coming decisions, we talk about a lot of things, and so we'll come together, and he'll say, hey, man, what do you think about this? I said, well, this was on my heart. He goes, dude, that, God gave me that verse last night. So that's a confirmation of the Holy Spirit because he's going to tell us all the same thing, right, if we're, if we're involved in the same thing, right? But it's it's a it's a it's a decision to it's it's the decision to make every decision underneath what he tells us to do. Does that make sense? I go to Ephesians two. Um, where do I want to start here? We're just going to read starting in verse one. We might we might go all the way to verse nine, Nancy. We'll see how far we make it here. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. This word sons of disobedience, meaning those it means those who know but decided to not. Did you know that you can't disobey without having knowledge of what you're supposed to do? You can't. Now, you can do something in ignorance. When we, when, when uh, we used to teach uh, like discipline courses and stuff to families, and we used to teach people all the time, ignorance requires correction. Diso- no, ignorance requires instruction. Disobedience requires correction. Right. So if you do something because you don't know, you're not responsible for that. Right. I was talking. I was talking to someone in the church the other day, and they said, um, "If I ever mess up, would you let me know and just be nice about it? Because I don't want you. I don't like being yelled at." And I said. I said, I can't ever see a situation where you would mess up. And they laughed. And I said, I'm serious. I said, if, if it's something in the church and you're not doing it the right way, I said, that's my fault because I haven't instructed you properly. I said, now you could just decide to not do it the way that I asked, and that would be on you. That would require correction. I said, if it's something how you live in your personal life, I said, anything next to you getting drunk and whoring around in the church, I said, that's between you and the Lord. I don't, I don't run your life. The Holy Spirit does. I said, so, so if it's ignorance, that just requires instructions. Does that make sense? But this word, sons of disobedience, it literally means those who know but choose to not. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, uh, where are we at? Verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. That means because of the sin, you were death. The word says that the wages of sin is death. That's why you were dead. Okay? You follow me so far? Verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together, say together With Christ, by which you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ, so that in the coming ages he might show the the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in, say, Jesus Christ, for by grace you have been saved through faith. What he's saying is, We used to be those who lived by the flesh. And the flesh deserves death because it lives in sin. But because of what Jesus Christ did, Jesus Christ not only did it for, he didn't do it for himself, he did it for us. And when he sits at the right hand of the Father, we sit in him at the right hand of the Father when we live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. So all of this world has been afforded to us by Jesus Christ, but we still have a decision. God does not force any of us to do anything. We have free will. And so every day, every decision, everything that we walk through, everything in our lives, we get to decide whether we want to live by the Spirit or we want to live by the flesh. Every day. Until Jesus Christ comes, this is how your existence will be, always. You will always have this decision because Jesus has given us free will. Does that make sense? In Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15, you don't have to turn there, Joshua was talking about the generations of people and what had happened, and he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua is declaring his decision to live in Jesus Christ, to live in the Lord at that time. But it's the same thing today. We get to decide every day, every moment when your eyes pop open and you breathe that first breath of air that you did nothing to deserve. You get to decide whether you live by the Spirit or live by the flesh. And here's the great thing. You don't even have to do that much. Actually, all of what you have to do is to not do things. I'll explain, okay? All you have to do is to not do things because living by the flesh requires action unless it's being lazy. Then it requires no action. That's the only one that's uh, that, that it's kind of on the other side of that thing. But to live by the flesh is to simply follow the indulges that you have, right? It's simply by just whatever you feel like doing in that moment, you do. This is what was happening in the church of Corinth. I don't know if you remember this. We don't, uh, for sake, time's sake, I'll, I'll, I'll just synopsize this. But basically what happened is the church of Corinth, um, there was never a Christian church there, but there was tons of temples. And they used to worship by having orgies in these churches, in these temples, okay? So that was the culture of that time in Corinth. Okay? So then Paul goes and plants a church there and then then after the church grows they send all these questions to Paul and he's like, "Well, listen, we have grace, right? So it's if you know, the body was meant for food and the 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 body was meant for sex and for food, so we should be able to have all the sex and food that we want." And Paul's like, "No, because we don't live according to the flesh, we live according to the spirit." And Paul was making that distinction. We'll probably visit some of that over the next couple weeks because he our job is to simply decide to live in what God asks us to do, not giving in to the indulges of the flesh every day. That's that's what it means to not live by the flesh, is to not do the things that you want to do all the time. For instance, when you wake up at 5.30 in the morning because you have to be at work at 6.30, do you always just want to get up? Some people do, and those people are freaks. I'm joking. If you're a morning person, that's great. Good for you. God bless you. Okay. Some Sometimes it's just I, I don't always want to get up and like, Take my dog out and like get my kids up, and that's not what I want to do. And I'm not trying to paint a bad picture on myself, but if it was up to my flesh. They would all serve me. You understand? It was up to my flesh. They would. You know, I'm I'm the dad. You know, go make me a sandwich. Go go fetch my slippers. Go make my coffee for me. You serve me. Okay. Does that make sense? The flesh is, is this fickle thing that sometimes it wants pickles and sometimes it wants chocolate and sometimes it wants a hug. Sometimes it wants all three at the same time, right? It's just this thing that it's, it's, it's very indulgent. But what, in, what, what that indulgence leads to is death. Well, Micah, how does eating pickles when I want to eat pickles lead to death? Because the more and more you feed the flesh voice, the more and more things it will try to get you to do. Because it wants simple gratification. This is how the church of Corinth was literally, they were going to church. Like in the church of Corinth, there was a man who was married and having relations to his dad's wife, so his stepmom. That's gross. And everyone in the church knew about it. And it was just kind of okay. Because like, well, we have grace, so it should be fine. No, you're living by the indulgence of the flesh. So if you, I, I promise you, don't do this. Okay. Don't test this out yourself, but if you just start listening to the flesh, you'll find yourself dead very fast. I know people who decided to turn from God and say, I'm, I'm, this, is too, this is not what I want to do, and they just started living for themselves, and they got money, and money leads to parties, and parties leads to sex, and sex leads to STDs, and then money leads to drugs, and then, and then within a short amount of time, they're in a ditch somewhere, or they're in rehab, or they're in a home, or they're dead. That's where the flesh will always take you to death because it's dumb, it's ignorant, it's short-sighted, it does not see the long game. So the flesh will... We have word that actually says that. And I think it's in Ephesians. It says that living by the Spirit and living by the flesh are complete opposites. For the Spirit leads to God and the flesh leads to death. Okay, That's, that's how that whole thing works. So living by the Spirit is making a conscious decision to always include God in your decisions. It's to say, I'm not going to make this decision until I hear what God says about it. Now, does that mean you need to seek the Lord and ask if you should put your clothes on in the morning? You should put your clothes on in the morning, right? Now, should you wear something different? Maybe. He, he can get involved in a lot of decisions in your life. And it might not even be a terrible practice for you to practice getting him involved in every decision of your life. However... Get, make sure you have time to do that make time to do it don't tell your boss oh, i was late because jesus didn't tell me what i was supposed to wear for you know today for work that's not a good example okay don't that's don't do that i don't i did not saying do that right don't don't make excuses but if you begin to give occasion to the lord in decision making in your life he'll begin to work with you in making those decisions in your life Your life can be transformed very, very quickly simply by following that still, quiet voice. I'll make another statement to you. The Holy Spirit, you can write this down, the Holy Spirit will never, ever, ever contradict the Word of God. Okay, Micah, why is this important? Because as you're learning to be led by the Spirit of God, the enemy is going to try to trick you. And he's going to have other things try to convince you to do things. And it's a, the word says that my sheep know my voice and another voice they will not follow. It's important to know the word so you know what the Holy Spirit says. This is your safety net. Because oftentimes people say, well, I just want to live by the Spirit. I just want to move with the flow of the Spirit and do these things. But they don't know words, so they find themselves into some weird, awkward situations. Do you want to know how I know? I have stories. I've been to places and seen some things. I'm not going to get into that. I don't want to ridicule anyone, but once you start telling people, yeah, nope, we're not going to go into that. We're just just not going to touch that, okay? I'm just saying you need to be rooted and grounded in the Word and being filled with the Holy Spirit and power, making every decision, every occasion, every day to live by the Spirit of God, being backed up by the Word, so then you just kind of stay in this perpetual situation of constantly being in the will of God. Would you like to say, I, I always make every decision. I'm always in the will of God. Would you like to say that? Mm-hmm. Okay, put your hands down. Can you say that now? I can't either, but I'm endeavoring to do so. I know that we are sinners that have been saved by grace, but oftentimes our eyes are always on the sin. Oftentimes we're we're very aware of our shortcomings, and what I'm trying to say is that when you live by the Spirit and you endeavor to walk this way, your shortcomings become farther and fewer between. And there's actually enough power in the Holy Spirit to keep you from ever sinning, to keep you from ever making a mistake. Now, we all grow from faith to faith and glory to glory. None of us have fully arrived at full revelation of the gospel, the word, and none of us probably will until we get to heaven. And who knows what else we're going to learn when we get there. We have eternity, so there's lots to do in eternity. You know what I'm saying? So who knows? Maybe we'll find out some stuff we didn't even knew existed. Maybe dogs can talk. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. But while we're here on the earth, if we endeavor to live this way, God will actually walk us into a position of constantly being able to be in His will. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to hear the Lord sell, say when, when we sit there at the judgment seat, well done, my, my good and faithful servant. Because I had done everything with my ability in every occasion to ask the Lord how to, how to make every decision that I had. And the Holy Spirit came upon me and is in me to interact with people, to lead people to Jesus, to lay hands on people, for healing to come, for anointing to come, and that I live and operate in that capacity until the end of my time here on the earth. And you are exactly the same. Just because I am a pastor of a church doesn't mean I have any more ability than you. The only difference between me and you as being a pastor is that I'm held responsible for your, for your souls. Did you know that? That's the only difference scripturally. I'm, I'm held accountable to those that God has called to this church. I'm held to a higher standard, and that's it. As far as operating through the nine spiritual gifts or walking through the fivefold ministry and being able to preach and teach and lay hands on, that's all of us. The Spirit was poured out upon all flesh, the Word says. All flesh It was poured out, and as we begin to live by the Spirit, making everyday decisions by the Spirit, you'll find out that God's going to send you to places and ask you to do things. I'll tell you one more story, and then, and then I think we'll close here. Um, I've shared this story before, but it bears repetition. Yeah. I was going to uh, go to Target uh, because I don't like going to Walmart in Branson. I don't know if any of you have ever been to the Walmart in Branson, but uh, that's where all the hooligans go. And uh, sometimes when you're in a hurry, you don't want to mess with hooligans and tomfoolery. So I was going to go to Target to pick up some groceries, and the Lord said, I want you to go to Walmart. Okay, now I've been endeavoring to live. This was, I don't know, four years ago. I'm endeavoring to live every day of my life being led by the Holy Spirit. So he says, I don't mean I heard a loud voice. The heavens didn't open up. He didn't shout at me, just in my heart. I had a sense and a peace. Go to Walmart. So I went to Walmart and I did my best not to make eye contact with anyone. And I went and got my stuff and I went to the self-checkout. And in Walmart at that time, there was like one person who managed like six self-checkouts. Does that make sense? And uh, there was this lady and I'm a friendly guy. I talk to pretty much everyone. I don't know a stranger. And I said, hey, how's it going today? And she said, not good she's like my I, my heart's racing really really hard I've been sweating I haven't been feeling good and I might have to be go I might have to go home and I literally cannot miss another shift and I just kind of quickly just put my head down and got quiet and finished checking my items and, and it, I'll, I'll I'll tell him my immaturity at that time I said Lord should I pray for her and he goes like duh like, that's why you're here I was like right sorry you got it yeah so I said, hey, hey, can I, can I pray for you? And she said, sure. So I just grabbed her hand, and I didn't shout or proclaim or say anything. I just said, Lord, I, I tell her about to be healed, and I pray for her, I ask you to comfort her and help her in the name of Jesus. Amen. She said amen, and I went, and I left. And so I went out to the car and I said, oh, that's why you told me to go to Walmart. That makes sense. Cool. That's great. So I went home. Almost a week later, same thing happens. I'm going to Target. Lord says go to Walmart. So I go to Walmart, same same routine. Go to the self-checkout, and I'm checking stuff out and I literally hear like the sound of feet running on concrete. And I hear this lady going, "It's you, it's you, it's you." And I'm like, "Who? Who?" "Oh, me." And she goes, you, "When you prayed for me, immediately all of my symptoms left." She said, "I had a great shift. Would you pray for my dad?" I said, "Sure." So I grabbed hands with her and I prayed for her dad. And so I went out to the car and this was one of the first times that this had really happened outside of church in my life where I just encountered a stranger and I had prayed for them. This is one of the first times that I can remember as an adult that this happened. And I was kind of getting a little emotional about it because I was like, "Man, what a what an awesome opportunity." And I said, "Lord, I just want to thank you for putting me in that position." And I, as I began to say that, I kind of I kind of felt like <laughs> I kind of felt like I leveled up. This isn't a good thing, okay? It's because the Lord corrected me on it. Because I kind of felt like, oh, I, I kind of like, made it a little bit. That's kind of cool. That's all. Awesome. And now part of it, my heart was pure and honest. But he just, and so he said, then he said to me, he's like, Micah, I, I love all of my children the same, right? I said, yeah. He goes, I love her just as much as I love you. I said, yes, sir. And he said, how long was she supposed to sit there and suffer before one of my kids would even listen to me? And he said, you're not even the first person I asked. You're just the first person that said Yes. So he said, "Don't, don't be feeling yourself. You weren't my first choice. You're just the first person who obeyed." So I don't know where on the list I was, but the way that he said that, it seemed I was down a little bit. Seemed, okay, so so some humbleness came to me. But what I, well, the reason why I shared that with you is because he was showing me that he was showing me that the only reason why this lady had a miracle because. He was saying she had been crying out to me for help and I've been trying to send her help, but no one would listen to me. And and you would go, well, why why didn't God just reach down from heaven and heal her? Because that's not what he did. He poured his spirit onto flesh so that we would be his hands and feet here on earth. Could he do it? Yes. Will he do it? No. No. Because he put that responsibility and anointing on us. We are the vessel he wants to operate through. If you're upset by that statement I just made, I don't claim to know all the scripture. You can find scripture within context. Bring it to me. I will happily have a discussion with you. But what I'm saying is God has called and anointed us to be his hands and feet here on the earth. And the only reason why that lady was able to receive her healing that day is not because I'm something great, but because I simply said, okay, and I obeyed. That's the only reason, because I listened. And that's what it means to live every day being led by the Spirit, every decision. Does that mean you should ask the Lord if you should go to Walmart or Target? Yeah, absolutely. And maybe you don't ask Him, but maybe you're open to Him. There's a lot of places that if you read... If you read about Paul when he traveled all over the Middle East, it said that I, he said, I was going to come to you, but I was restrained by the Holy Spirit. A lot of the times, you can just continue to do what you're supposed to be doing once you kind of begin to build this relationship, and the Lord will start saying, Hey, instead of that, do this. Or he'll say, Hey, don't go there, go here. Hey, don't go now. So it, it's not, once you begin to build this relationship, it's not that you, have, you can't do anything until he says do something. It's that you go about operating in the wisdom and knowledge that God has put in your heart, and he'll lead you and guide you along the way. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, well, no, that's not a good analogy. It, it, it would be like um, bowling with bumpers. Does that make sense? You're going on the trajectory you're supposed to go, and maybe you get off, but you, you just get bumped back in place. Does that make sense? That's what the Holy Spirit is like. It's not that violent, but that's what he does. He just kind of leads you and guides you how you're supposed to go. Sometimes he will say, hey, stop. He's done this to me once. We were, I was, it was really young. I was just learning about this. I was maybe 16 or 17. I was driving with all of my family minus my dad in our big black van. I have a big family. There's nine of us. And the Lord said, get off the road. Holy Spirit. I didn't mean to hear an out voice. In my heart, he said, get off the road. So I pulled over. Mom said, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. I just feel like I was supposed to get off the road. And my mom, being awesome and knowing that we're learning, she goes, okay, well, we'll just hang out. So we might've sat there for, I don't know, maybe five minutes, maybe 10. And uh, we used to drive an hour every day to church, three days a week, Friday, Su- Su- Wednesday night, Friday night, Sunday morning. So it's a long trip. And over an hour, there's a lot of stuff that could go wrong. And it's all these back roads, right? So there's lots of things that could go wrong. So after about five or ten minutes, I felt a release in my heart. Okay, go ahead and go. So we got on the road, and not the exact amount of time down the road that I waited, there was an accident. A car had ran off the ditch, and some car hit them. And basically, the Holy Spirit spared us from being in that situation, and the Lord had showed me that. And that was simply by him saying, hey, get off the road. It wasn't violent or angry, but it was urgent. Does that make sense? It was kind of a quickness, hey, get off. And so I did. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do with you. If you acknowledge him in every decision in your life, he'll begin to involve himself in every decision of your life. And once you make room and space for him and you start clearing out your thought life, you start clearing out and letting go of things that you shouldn't be carrying, he'll begin to interact with you more and more in your life and he'll lead you every step of the way. And and all of a sudden you just find yourself in the perfect will of God because you're just moving when he says move. You're stopping when he says stop. He said, okay, adjust to the left, adjust to the right. The Holy Spirit is like the rudder of a great ship. That's, that's kind of what that like. It, it just makes these adjustments and these turns. Does that make sense? Maybe that's not the best analogy, but, but it's just, it, it, just, it just leads us and guides us on the trajectory that God has for our life. Amen? Amen. Ben, why don't you come up? Hey, thanks for listening to the Tanny Love Church podcast. For more information about us, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com. And you can also check us out on social media on Instagram and Facebook.